When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Breakfast with Pat and Heels on this Tuesday, 27th of February. And brought to you by Burbank Homes, a builder to trust. Bank on Burbank Homes and Hyundai, the all-new Hyundai Kona N-Line. And if you want to join us, join us at any time on the Suncorp Home Resilience open line on 13 13 55. Or you can hit us up on the SEN text line 0467 736736. Oh, good effort, mate. Real good effort. That's not bad off the bench, Heels. That is Obviously incredible. No Paddy today. That's so. your first paragraph of hosting. There we go. Not off, one off, stumble. Off and racing. Not one inconsistency. Beautiful. Where the hell is he? Mm, well, he's got a few things to do. I think he's down the nation's capital today, yeah. uh, talking to some politicians and taking the king. I think Big Wally's down there with him. Yeah. Trying to get a little bit of money in the skyrocket for some good cause. Yeah, I I hope they're taking a broader, um, uh, you know, broader span of people mm. and recipients, mm. and uh, you know, maybe patients of dementia, you know, younger person, uh, old people, uh, sports people, so that uh, everyone gets a, a real feeling for what this is in society. You yeah. know, not just in sport. Um, it's it's something that probably needs a whole lot more research. And it's going to be expensive. It certainly does. So happy to come off the bench for Paddy while he's down there flying the flag for a very good cause. Now, it's a big show, big show today. Obviously, the NRL season is only days away now. So we're going to head over uh, live to the USA in about 30 minutes to catch up with Bomber Bedell, the chief editor of the Curia Mail. So we'll see uh, what he's been up to. The Broncos have been... Out and about, haven't they? They've been living it up. <laughs> Which means the journos have got to go too. We're like, where, where are they now? Where are they? And off they go. It's one of those one of those events over there that uh, every day there just seems to be something bigger. Um, you know, just around the corner, we'll hear from Jason Saab, who has spent a little bit of time on <laughs> on, on, on some talkback radio. Is he the there. right one to put Well, up? out of all the players you could have picked, there are four teams and they've gone with Jason Saab. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll hear what he's got to say on, on some of that. What about uh, when the hosts, he was talking about the four teams that were over there and the hosts sort of go, oh, the, the Rabbitohs, what, is that a real critter? <laughs> Is that a like? Yes, it's a the rabbit, mate. We'll also hear from New Zealand Test cricket legend, iconic cricket commentator, SEN's own Ian Smithy Smith. With uh, he'll stop by just after seven to uh, run us through how Australia's prepared to face New Zealand in a two-test match Trans Tasman series mm. starting on Thursday. He'll so you'll have plenty to say about that. Yeah, we haven't been there for eight years to to play a test. Mm. That's not good enough. And uh, you know, I'm screaming out for. Uh, uh, like a Bledisloe every year in February, yep. like we're having right now. Uh, we can be one, one, two tests at home. It can be one. We're that close. It can be one test at their their home and one test at ours yeah. straight away, like footy does. Mm. Um, we don't have to go through pre-season, pre-tour, anything. Just get into it. Just get straight into yeah. it. And uh, track cycling superstar and Paris uh, Olympic gold medal was just nearly just under six months away. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Matt Richardson, who will join us just after seven thirty. So, uh, plenty to happen on the show. But the NRL season, we're only just days away. We'll get into a little bit of analysis, uh, particularly from my point of view, on the four Queensland sides and where you think they might might finish. So mm. uh, any listeners out there at the moment, if you want to do, if you don't want to join us, the open line 13 13 55 or 0467 736 736 to uh, get your view on where you think uh, the four Queensland sides will finish this year. So uh, big show coming up, Heels. Big show coming up. Mm, the, the, we found out about Tommy Gilbert and it's not good, mate. <laughs> no, we did. Uh, it was obviously the the... The most kept secret, and and it's the throwaway line for all clubs until you get a scam. We'll we'll you know we'll ha- we'll ha- wait and see and have a look. But the certainly didn't look good. Certainly didn't look good for Tommy Gilbert. And I said on Benny Davis's show yesterday, uh, I think that 
the fact that Tom Gilbert is now not part of the season for the Dolphins, that, that puts a red line through them of trying to make uh, the finals. Now, right I thought there was a huge possibility that the Dolphins would be able to make the finals if a few things fell their way. Mm. I just think he is the heartbeat of what they do. I think he is the the DNA of what their uh, side stands for and to not have him in the side – uh, for the duration of the season, certainly going to be difficult. Mm. So, because have you seen one of those ACL scans? I have. Yeah. Is it really clear that the is ligament much, is busted? Yeah, yeah, very much so. But um, generally, when you see a player, uh, you know, that doesn't have any contact, um, and they do go yes. down in the, in the, in that fashion, that it generally sort of. Um, uh, suggests that the ACL is torn, but yeah, it is, it is detached off the kneecap. So mm. that's what the scan does look like. But um, yeah, I'm sure Wayne Bennett, and Christian Wolf, and all the people out there at uh, the Dolphins will certainly have, uh, and I hope they do prove me wrong. I just think it's going to be very difficult for them to play in semi-finals without Tommy Gilbert. It's always about their depth, eh? It is. And, and getting injuries at the right time in the right positions where they do have some cover, and that one's. Doesn't fit any of those criteria. Mm. But they needed Tommy Gilbert. As we uh, as we do count down, obviously to Vegas and and what an event that is going to be. Historic event. Uh, there was some cricket played overnight. Heels. Yes. And uh, Benny Stokes had uh, had this to say. It was a great test match. Um, you know, if you look at the scoreboard, India win by five wickets. Uh, I don't think it really gives enough credit to to sort of the game as a whole. You know, the amount of ebbs and flows. You know, every single day that happened. Um, and you know, I've got to give so much credit to you know our spinners, uh, Tom Hartley, Shoal Bashir, to come out and put in that performance uh, throughout the whole test match. But in particular today, you know, being exposed in situations like that at such a you know early start of their career. I mean, incredible. Uh, I couldn't be more proud of those two in particular, but obviously very proud of the team throughout this whole week and what they've thrown at India. And it was a very good finish by India. Mm. They were under pressure. They only had to chase 190, mm. and they, they were five for like 100 and got it done. And again, the wicketkeeper, Jurel, brand new. Mm. Brand new. He's been thrown in at every level of cricket. T- T20, uh, IPL, he's been thrown in before that in his uh, provincial team. He's been India A and and got jobs done, big jobs done with the bat. He made 90 in the first innings. And then he's come in and joined Shobman Gill, a 23-year-old, I think, and Jarrell's 23. So there's a decade there about to play for mm. India. And they beat in England. Um, the, those England spinners that uh, Stokes talked about there, they tired. Um, but you're never sure whether they get, get tired or it's the pressure the bat, batsmen are putting on them. They started to advance. They started to run much better between wickets. They started to push the field around. And they got the job done. It was incredible uh, patience mm. and, you know, resilience under pressure by two young men that got that job done. Mm. Um, it's interesting, eh, Stokes, he, they, England... They still want recognition <laughs> for a great match they played in. You know, just that's what Test cricket is, mate. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've got a text come in on the, uh, on the text line. Morning, boys. Yeah. Dave from the Goldie uh, here. The Poms claiming a moral victory over. <laughs> <laughs> Again, never gone for India so much. That's probably fair <laughs> to say. He could feel right? himself just <laughs> willing uh, India to win. I, I, was, I was torn because uh, it, there's a fifth test, starts March 7th. Yeah. And you know it's too all in, and it's gonna. It would be a great climax to the series. Uh, so I thought, oh, if England do that, we'll get a good test in March seven. But India deserve it because these two young blokes are going real well. Uh, it was very interesting. One thing I didn't like about the test, and and there's English commentators saying that's one of the best tests they've ever seen. Yeah. And I was shaking my head to myself. When, you know, Ben Stokes got out LBW once. It hit him just above the bootlaces. And then the second innings, one hit him just above the bootlaces and went on and bowled him. So he was out LBW and bowled <laughs> from balls that just skidded along yeah. the ground. In and, and the game only went for three and a half days. There should be another day and a half of it. Mm. And and India have got to gotta get their wickets much more conducive to five-day cricket Yes, and, and get that contest going from three and a half days to five oh. days of good stuff. You mentioned about Sherman Gill and, and the, the youth that they have in that side. He had something to say along, uh, along those lines also. It means the world to us, you know, we coming... 
coming here, having to play the series with uh, not much uh, batting experience in the in the batting lineup, and having lost KL by uh, after the first Test match. Obviously, there were some nerves going into the Test matches, but I think the way Rohit Bai backed all of us, and the way Rohit Bai gave us the confidence to you know just go out there and play and express yourself. We have played quite a bit of first-class cricket. You know, just think this is no different. Mm. Shubham Gill, you know who his father-in-law is? No. Mo- uh, is or might be? Sachin Tendulkar. There you go. <laughs> is or might be? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not sure they're married yet. Right. That, that's, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, so there's a dinner table. Uh, yeah, Shubham Gill is, is an incredible player and at such a young age, and so too is Jarrell and the Indian side, both teams actually, filled yep. in for experienced injuries yep. extremely well. And and they played in highly committed ways for that three and a half days, and and so it's just the conditions that could have allowed it to go a bit longer if it would, if they were better. Now, just want to run this by your heels while we got a couple of hours together, and just want you to think about like we, there's a topic we we're talking about yesterday in regards to um, NRL franchises and and players that you think you must have. So if you had a, an open war chest and you're starting a new team, who that number one player or that number one pick <laughs> would be for you? Uh, so have a think about it. But yesterday on Ben Davis's show here on SEN, I, I I went on to say that my first pick would be Nathan Cleary. Mm-hmm. And I did then go on to say, and I stand by it 100%, I think at the end of Nathan Cleary's tenure or career, he will be the greatest halfback that yeah. the game has ever seen. And, and and very much think that. I mean, he's he's still 25. He's got three. <laughs> three it's unbelievable. Three, three championships under his belt. Um, he's got a World Cup. He's done everything in the game. He's got uh, he's got his uh, his origin um, credentials, and uh, and I guess to some degree there has been a knock or a bit of a concern from from people uh, that he hasn't dominated in the Origin series. Now, I think that's still yet to come, but um, like to mm. I'm sure everyone out there, if you've got uh, does he lack creativity? No, not at all. Okay, well, you know, I like the Wigan game. It, if he was, if he was, uh, you know, in season, yeah, it's very. You can expect, you can understand why it, he didn't crack that that game mm-hmm. um, because he, you know, a bit pre-season-ish. You, you know, that sort of creativity. Does he need a five-eight to provide that for him? Well, he didn't have one in the grand final. He lost his line. Oh, no. He was his creator. He no, Jerome Luai, and he found a way to get the Penrith Panthers home. How so. do you think he did that? Because he he hasn't got he's got a, terrific, he's got a good enough speed ter- level, hasn't he? Understanding of the game and where those holes are, where they were, oh, the deficiencies goodness. and the like. So anyway, have a think about it. See what uh, what player comes to mind as Vanessa has come into the newsroom. She's going to run through all the big stories. Good morning. Well, in the news this morning, hot topic: the gender pay gap. Yeah, now this it pops up every year. It really does. And you know we see employers come out and say, "Oh, this is something we're working on." Oh no, it doesn't exist here. Well, we've got some data today that shows just how stark the problem is. On average in Australia, women for doing exactly the same job take home about $18,500 less each year than their male counterparts. Mm. So it is real. It is happening. Industries like uh, the airlines, the banks and construction companies are among the worst. Uh, in businesses with 5,000 or more employees, Virgin has the most significant discrepancy, a gap of 41 Qantas comes in at 37%. These are huge. Like this is people doing exactly the same job. (laughs) If you're a man, he's 41% extra. Have you got your head into this, Vanessa? What would one of those jobs be, for example, that you wouldn't pay them the same? Yeah. I I don't know. That's the thing. We haven't drilled down to that level. It's amazing. Logically, it makes no sense. It really no. doesn't. And yet, you know, because these pay negotiations are always kept very private and, you know, employees wouldn't necessarily be sitting around talking about it in the lunchroom. Um, but, yeah, when this kind of data is published, it's when it becomes so obvious. Uh, you and know, Some and of those Qantas girls, they can talk in the galley. Yeah. Easy <laughs> yes, allowed, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But look, maybe being named and shamed will prompt some of these companies to actually do something about it. At the airlines are, but a lot of them are female-dominated companies mm. too. 
Yeah, that's right. Some of the clothing brands where they're all about female empowerment, um, they're some of the worst as well. Uh, But the good ones, we'll point them out as well. Supermarkets in general have very small pay discrepancies and McDonald's, no difference. There you go. So, so get to Mac. <laughs> Mac is on, it's on ama- top It's there. amazing how they can work out a difference. Amazing yeah. well, you just pay that. for that position. Exactly. That oh, is exactly oh. what you would think. Anyway, go figure. Now, uh, look, there was a, a lot of sadness at the end of last year when a well-known footy legend from the Darling Downs, Peter Rosa, was killed in a traffic crash. He was on an e-scooter when he got hit by a car. Now, he was well-known for his playing days with the Collegians Rugby League Club in Warwick in the 80s, part of the Warwick Cowboys in the Toowoomba Rugby League comp mm. back in the 80s as well. Um, so, yeah, sadly killed in a crash between his e-scooter and a car. Well, police have now laid charges over that crash with a 20-year-old man set to face court in April. And look, it's a big farewell today to Taylor Swift. She has wrapped up her tour. Happy to see Taylor. (laughs) Goodbye. Oh, come on, Corey. I was in Sydney over the weekend and everything was Tay-Tay. The, yeah. Everyone I sat next to, everything, everyone. <laughs> what, you're a bit jealous. Well, did, you're just over it. A little bit over. Yeah. It. Okay. Well, well, go to Singapore now. <laughs> no Six chance. Shows. Although there <laughs> yes. is, there's people that follow her at yeah. every show. It's incredible. It's like a cult. Well, some of the stats too. She had four shows in Sydney. They're estimating about 150 million dollars pumped into the economy there over the week that she was there. They think that around 45 percent of the concert goers were actually from interstate or overseas. So yeah, people absolutely do travel to see her. I wonder if they um, they count the Western Australian cricket team in that because <laughs> they couldn't travel anywhere yes. to get to Sydney. They were going all over the shop. Oh, they ended no. up winning. Did they go to the concert? I uh, hope not, because <laughs> they would have had the dirts with her, yeah. like making it so hard to get to yes. a final. Yeah, but incredible. Like, she's off to Singapore now, first show Saturday night, doing another, like, six shows in Singapore. She doesn't stop. All she just, sports, three and a half yeah. hours nonstop. Like, yeah. I watched, non-stop she's got stamina. I watched her documentary yeah. last night. Very Miss good. America, Ma- uh, Miss Americana. Yeah. She's so insecure. Uh, I think it was mainly around the tw- 2018 period, that, that yep. doco. So she, and, and the new Tay-Tay is yeah, out. Yeah, I think she's really... Yeah, she's got a voice. Yeah. Yep. Love it. Okay, thanks, Vanessa. We'll take a short break. I'm sure you'll be back later in the show. And we'll get back to your text messages after the short break on the SEN text line. You're listening to SENQ, Brisbane's home of sport. Now, we teased it at the top of the show, Heels. We're going over to uh, USA, where all the action is happening. For, and we're going to be joined by Bomber Bedell, the Chief uh, Courier Mail Editor. Mm. Uh, good morning, Bomber. Good afternoon, Bomber. Good evening, Bomber. Which one is it? <laughs> oh, it's just become the afternoon, Cosa. But what about you? You're moving up in the world. You're hosting now. Is there anything you can't do? Well, let's just keep it at, keep it real, Bomber. I've come off the bench. I've done that a few times in my career. No Paddy Welsh <laughs> today. He's down at the uh, nation's capital. But uh, give us a little insight, mate, on, on what it's all like over there. At the moment, we're reading stories. The Broncos are lunching out in the hills. There's drones. There's rock stars. What's happening over there? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, your timing's good, boys. I've actually just got back to the hotel from Broncos training and uh, interesting session here today. It's their second last session before they leave LA to head to Vegas and looking at some possible team changes, fascinating lineups at training. I, the good news, Brendan P. Cura guys will definitely start. He injured his left mm, knee that good. in that trial against the Cowboys, but he ran today, no problems. He's still got his knee strapped, mm. but he's definitely in the team. He will play on, on Fridays or Saturday, barring any late mishaps. Uh, and with the wing spot, guys, is the other one. Fascinating. I saw Dean Mariner doing some reps today, so he's still in, in the hunt there for a wing spot. But Jesse Arthurs will definitely be on one wing, and then the other wing will be between Dean Mariner and Corey Oates. So it'll be interesting to see, boys, which way they go there. Yeah, and the, the wing position might be an interesting one on this narrow field. Um, what what are we going to be more likely to need as out of our wingers? Speed or height and safety? 
Yeah, it's, it's a good question. He also, I mean, I, I spoke to Kevy Walters, the coach, just two days ago, and he said he was leaning towards Corey because of his height and just his ability on kick returns. It's mm. obviously a tighter field. They want big bodies to crush through the middle. So maybe that gives Corey Oates the edge. Uh, but certainly it's a good point you make here was the tighter field. And I'd like to ask Corey this. I mean, having played the game out there, do you think, Cosa, the, the tighter field, how, how will that affect the game. Yeah, I touched on it only just sort of moments ago. I actually think it'll have a huge bearing on the game because, you know, effectively over the course or the width of the, of the field, it's six metres um, more narrower. So um, you won't be going around teams. So you'd be very surprised if you need a winger that's got, you know, copious amounts of speed to you know, run down somebody. So I'd be going with somebody like a Corey Oates who can really sort of power through that middle and create a bit of second, uh, a bit of quick, quick play the ball speed. So interesting to see. I thought Kevy Walters was was locked on Oatesy given the story you you wrote only sort of a, a week or so ago. But um, interesting on uh, what'll uh, what'll transpire there with that round one side. But uh, Bomber, we're, we're seeing all the fun and fluffy pictures over here. It looks like they've really been received well, the NRL in LA or Vegas. Is that the case? Yeah, absolutely, Cosa. It's, it's been wonderful. It really has been. And look, the, the locals still don't know a lot about the game. I mean, when we go out to restaurants and bars, you know, cafes, they, they sort of mention the word rugby, but they don't know rugby league. Mm. So it's an education process, but certainly the, the vibe among the team. I know the boys, they met some of the LA Rams NFL players the other day at training, they welcomed the, the Broncos to training at their base here at, at California Lutheran University. And the boys put on some of the, the helmets, they tried the pads on. And Ezra, Ezra Mann said it was like having a 10 kilo weight plate on his head. Um, so it's been, um, it's been an eye opener for the boys, but you know, Reese Walsh was trying on NFL gloves. So it, it is a fascinating exotic experience. And, and I think, I think this will be success, success, guys. I really do think so. It's it's a five year project, and I and I think we'll have a great spectacle on Saturday night. And you don't have to be in Las Vegas to promote the game, do you? Like the, the manly digs at at uh, the other teams for not being in Vegas early enough. There, there's some plenty of good work being done, uh, not just celebrity spotting, but uh, rugby league promotions. Yeah, absolutely. He was look South Sydney are in San Diego. The Roosters are not too far from the Broncos here in LA. So there's a lot being done. And look, I know the Broncos went to the uh, the Lakers game the other night, and they met. Well, they they were close to LeBron James, <laughs> at least not meeting him per se. But <laughs> no one gets close to LeBron. But uh, Magic they, look, Johnson's pretty close Magic second Johnson. to that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they presented him with a jumper, and it was actually they were quite starstruck, the Broncos players. So they were fan fanboying for a change. But mm. it's it's been it's been a wonderful experience so far, guys. It's been a thrill for me, and I and I just can't wait to actually get to Allegiant Stadium and just see the wonderful facilities there because it's a billion dollar stadium, and uh, the, I think the players would be a, a once in a lifetime experience for Adam Reynolds and Co. You mentioned about that billion-dollar stadium. Has there been any talk or any feedback in regards to ticket sales and what that might look like? Yeah, so, boys, at the moment, we're at 28,000 for ticket sales. And, look, it's 65,000 capacity. But I think come game day, we'll have over 30,000 people in the stadium, which is a pretty good effort for for rugby league in Vegas. So, look, I I think, as we know, we've seen 30,000 at NRL games in Australia, and it's a great atmosphere. So I think it's going to be... It's going to be fantastic. It'll be visually great. The aesthetics will be awesome with the the quality of the stadium. So I'm just going to be fascinated to see how the play goes on a smaller field. But um, interesting, guys, too. I saw Corey Jensen today at the Broncos training in the midfield there. So he'll he'll start alongside Payne Haas to replace Tom Flegler. So that's a that's a real real big uh, coup for Corey Jensen, who's been a bench player for most of his career, but he gets his chance in round one. Mm, what else? Uh, what else off the bench is the big men of the middle? Yeah, he also Corey Jensen was battling it out with Marty Tapao and Fletcher Baker for that middle spot. Now I'm told that Fletcher Baker will start off the bench, as will Tapao. I know that Kevy was looking at Tapao or Xavier Willison for that final middle rotation spot, but I think he's going to lean towards Tapao with his experience and and age. So I think he just feels Willison's probably still a bit young for this arena, not quite ready yet. So I think he'll, he'll probably go with, with Baker and Tapao on the bench. And then Tyson Smoothie will retain the number 14 jumper ahead of Tristan Saylor, who, who oh, has really? been outstanding in the preseason. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think Kevy was basically his mentality. Cause I was, 
it's if you were in the grand final team last year, it's mm. your jumper to lose. And he feels that Tyson's done enough to, to retain his 14 jumper. Now, you've normally got your finger on the pulse bomber and we're over there. The Broncos are heading to Vegas. When, when is that? Tomorrow? Uh, they leave in two days, Cosa. Two days, yeah, time. Two days now, time. Has there been any talk, any talk whatsoever on Alfie? Alfie's antics in USA. <laughs> has, he, has he been at training? Has he been there? Has he got the red eyes going? Is he on the power raids? What's happening? <laughs> oh, no. Well, I saw him in a straight jacket this morning at training, <laughs> Cosa. So <laughs> he's well under lock and key. But um, I think Vegas is the real worry, boys. He might end up with a tiger somewhere or in a couple, <laughs> wedding chapel with Kevin. So I'm a bit worried about those two, the six and seven. The Face tattoo, <laughs> the face tattoo on Alfie when he returns. <laughs> hey, uh, Pete, you, you know uh, um, the grass surface that they're going to be playing on. Where where does that get stored mm. at Allegiant? Yeah, good question, Hill. So it's quite amazing this technology. They actually wheel it in. They've got these massive plastic trays. Just think of like your little plastic trays of Bunnings and just times it by about a thousand. (laughs) And they're these huge plastic punnets almost where they grow the grass externally outside. And then they, they basically have it on, on big wheels and they wheel it in to the stadium on game day. So it's, it's quite an amazing piece of technology Mm. and that's how they'll be. They've been manicuring the grass outside and they'll wheel it in before the game. So let's hope the grass is up to standard. I'm sure it will be. That's right, because it's desert conditions in in Vegas. (laughs) What about the, (laughs) what about these, uh, you know, reports of, uh, purchasing uh, Super League and maybe a, a new US League. Uh, have, you, have you got any further into that? Yeah, well, well Hills, I, I broke the story on the American League. Look, I, I, it's look, it's very much in its infancy. So they've put a proposal to Peter Valandis, their real commission boss. They met with him two weeks ago, this American Rugby League consortium. They've proposed a 10-team competition. Now, they say they've got already three franchises sold. There's interest in a fourth, and they say that They've got the private investors to do it alone, but they would prefer to have a a strategic alliance Mm. with the NRL for branding and whatnot. So I think there's a lot more credibility if you call the comp NRL America than just some privately owned competition. So they want to work with the NRL to have an equity stake or at least just branding and support rights. And I think if, if you do that, you give, you give the competition a genuine chance to be successful over here and maybe, maybe grow the code. So it's something they're, they're presenting to, the ARL Commission this this week after the game in Vegas. So they will present their proposal to the board and let's see where it goes from there. But as it stands, it's an exciting concept and I, and I think it would just be good for the game if we have an elite rugby league competition over here. Well, I think uh, it... Uh... Maybe Cosa can make a comeback. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. There's always an opportunity. <laughs> You've got a new manager now, haven't you? Yeah. You've signed one up. This signed week. one up anyway. <laughs> anyway, Pete, we'll let you go there, mate. Thanks very much for that. We'll talk to you uh, probably in a couple of days or post uh, Vegas and look after the Broncos, in particular, Alfie. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, no worries, boys. I'm staying away from Alfie. Imagine what he'll do to me, Cosa. <laughs> <laughs> There you have it, Peter Bedell, Chief Editor of the Courier Mail. You can get all the Courier Mail and NRL um, uh, guides and footage in uh, coming out tomorrow in a 24-page uh, NRL season guide with the players to watch, expert predictions, and, of course, how to play NRL Supercoach, which is out in tomorrow's edition of the Courier Mail. Now, joining us on the line is one of the superstars of track cycling, the Lycra Missile from Western Australia, and one of the best chances uh, for Australia in the uh, upcoming Olympics uh, in the cycling. Uh, Matt Richardson, thanks for joining us, mate. How's preparation going? Uh, a matter of months away now before the Paris Olympics. Yeah, g'day, boys. Uh, yeah, preparation's going good. Um, just had a few competitions recently, World Cup in my local track in Adelaide, Oceania champs last week in New Zealand, and then uh, I've got track nationals next week and then another World Cup in Hong Kong. So it's all happening, but, uh, yeah, preparation's going good. Hey, Matt, do you ever fear injuries? Uh yeah, yeah. I think injuries are a pretty big fear of most elite athletes. I think just the fact that that can take you – out of training and away from preparation, I think, uh, yeah, for sure. I think it's nothing that's ideal. And 
I think people definitely fear it, but I definitely don't steer away from working as hard as I can, even though that can happen. Yeah, that, that schedule is quite uh, quite heavy. Um, so I wish you well about that. Now explain your events to us. The team sprint, uh, do, you, do you reckon you got an, a quick explanation of the Kieran? <laughs> but uh, yeah. And, and yeah. in Paris, yeah. are you hoping to do it all? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm looking at doing the team sprint, the individual sprint, and the Kieran. So, so all three sprint disciplines. So the team sprint is a is a team event, obviously, with uh, three people. You do a lap each, and the fastest time at the end uh, is your time. The individual sprint is sort of the 1v1 uh, three-lap race, all about tactics. And the Kieran is a six-lap race where you spend uh, three laps behind the motorbike, six riders on the track. The motorbike pulls off with three laps to go, and then it's just a free-for-all for three laps, basically, reaching speeds of up to 80k an hour. Yeah. But what, what is that Kieran that goes forever? Like heaps and heaps of laps. What's that, a team Kieran or what, whatever it is? Oh, no. Nah, well, so there's endurance races as well. So yeah, you have, okay. like, team shoots where they do it's four-person, and they swap off on the front and yeah. do about 16 laps. Um, and then you have like an Omnium, which is like, yeah, multiple races with heaps and heaps of laps, uh, more, yeah, more endurance based athletes race, race those ones, the sprint stuff. Yeah. Only lasts about three laps long. Matt, when you, when you, you're preparing, obviously, you know, you got one eye on the Olympics coming up, but you've also got these events that you, you know, you're partaking in at the moment. Do you keep an eye on the other huge competitors around the world also on what they're doing? Um, not too much when I'm kind of here in Adelaide training, but, uh, when we go and compete against them, obviously you're looking to get that edge. You're looking to outwit them, uh, be quicker than them, kind of have that sort of mental edge coming into the games for sure. You definitely don't want to feel like you're on the back foot. Mm. Um, so yeah, while I'm trailing training here in Adelaide, it's pretty much just full focus on, on me and my teammates and what we're doing. But, um, yeah, at comps, you, uh, you definitely want to have the upper hand. When you do train. And you you're at your you know you're doing trials and you're doing time trials. Do you go one hundred percent, or do you know that come the Olympics you may have another one or two percent left in the tank that you can uh, draw on? Yeah, no, we're always pretty much going as hard as we possibly can, whether that's in training or, or competitions. Like I said, I think. I think having the mental blow to the opponent of of being better than them coming into the Olympics is, yep. is far greater than kind of thinking within yourself you have slightly more. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, we just prepare ever so slightly better for the Olympics, maybe slightly less training just to give our bodies a bit more freshness to actually uh, produce all the power and all the speed that it possibly can. So that's kind of where we'll get quicker is just with the training that we'll do coming in. Uh, versus now. So we will have a gain and a lift for the Olympics. Um, but whatever we do, we're always going 100%. <laughs> well, uh, Matt, tell us tell us how you found cycling, or it might have been the other way around. Uh, yeah, cycling did kind of find me in, in some way. So I went and watched um, went and watched a local race in Perth, where I was originally from, um, and there was a lady going around from Midland Cycle Club scouting more people into the sport. I was a, I was a lead gymnast at the time. Um, and the, the club night was a Wednesday night, um, which was funny enough, the only night I had uh, off from gymnastics. So I figured, yeah, I'll, I'll go along and try that as well. But he, I was like 13 years old doing 36 hours a week. I was of gymnastics and I thought, you know what, I'll spend my only afternoon off doing more sport. Um and yeah, that was pretty much it. I got injured in gymnastics and basically just swapped straight over to cycling. So there was a pivot in your life. You wanted to be a gymnast for Australia at the Olympics and now you're going to do it on a bicycle. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So it was basically Friday afternoon in the doctor's office telling me that I had to have, I think it was like two years out of gymnastics to let my elbow recover. And then Monday I was full focus on track cycling. So it was, it was a pretty quick shift, but I think it worked well for me <laughs> that I just never stopped. You know what I mean? There was never sort of this, oh, what am I going to do now kind of phase. It was just all the energy that I had in gymnastics just continued on to track cycling. It's a different sport, but it's the same, the same I guess, mental goals of, I guess, trying to just be as best as you can and, and achieve the things you want to. Yeah, so you had no fear on the velodrome, and then what other aspects transferred beautifully? Oh, so definitely, I think from gymnastics, you just have, 
I think gymnastics would transfer well into any sport, but you just have this like really high level of sort of body awareness, coordination, mm. general athleticism. Mm. Um, for sprint cycling specifically, just that sort of core strength um, that really holds you stable on the bike while you're trying to produce the power. Now at the time, I had very skinny, very small legs as a gymnast. Which really? Is, we don't. We, yeah, we don't really need them. Like we bounce, but we're not putting a high rate of force through them. So you want your body to kind of be as light as possible for all the tricks that you do and the somersaults in the air. Yeah. So that was quite a big shift for my body to try and start squeezing on as much muscle mass as I can in my legs. Um, and it was basically a complete shift. It was from all upper body to now no upper body and all legs. So my body's uh, had a, quite a bit of a change in the last few years, but uh, yeah, it got it done. Oh, how la- how happy were you when you found stretch denim? So you could buy yourself jeans. <laughs> Mate, honestly. Lycra. <laughs> it just goes lycra everywhere. Yeah, honestly, all my all my pants are like either massive and then I have to get the waist <laughs> taken in. Honestly, no, you joke, but it's it's an absolute nightmare to find just a nice pair of jeans that fit properly. But um I'll uh, I'll take that any day. There could be a niche market, niche market there. If you (laughs) no, there is. There's actually there's a guy from Germany called Robert Forsterman. He's a bit famous because he has ginormous quads. Like if you Google Robert Forsterman, it's just him (laughs) and his quads everywhere. (laughs) And he has his own line of jeans that fit um, that fit people with big quads. Yeah, it's actually quite funny. Yeah. Okay. And you and you just buy them online. Yeah, he's buying my line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like Heel. stretchy and big and, yeah. No, I'm talking about him, not me. To, not you don't me. need to buy any no, that, that's, that's a good oh, call. We, just got well, we found him. We found him. We've got him up. Boy. You got him? <laughs> he's yeah. got some tree trunks on him. We have. What yeah, What about, um, I think recently uh, Patty was talking to Anna Mears uh, at a function yeah. and she talked about her one leg leg press. What What can yeah. you do? I've done 400. 400. Boy. Yeah, it was quite. A, it was quite a few years ago, but um, yeah, it's been done. I was I was a lot smaller then, so if I train it now, I don't. I just don't do it as much anymore. It just um, it's just so much weight through a single leg that the risk of injury is just poor. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's really good if you can get through that sort of block unscathed. But um, yeah, I remember at the time I, I kind of came out of that pretty sore. <laughs> but that was good. It was good. 400 will do it to you, mate. And, yeah. you know, vertical jumps and everything, your combine will be unreal. Matthew, like, thanks very much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. No worries. And you can catch Matt. He'll be in action, actually, just down the road from us here, Heels, at um, at the National Championships, which is on from March 1 to 5 at the Animeers Velodrome at Chanlone. Tickets from ozcycling.org, rather, dot au. Of course, this crowded house, a good old Kiwi band, and the song Four Seasons in One Day. Reason why we play that? Well, it's a good song, but also Four Seasons in One Day is something you can expect at the, the Basin Reserve. The weather can turn there, it can be beautiful for one hour, northerly can rip through, can get a little bit cloudy, the southerly could kick in. Uh, I mean, Four Seasons in One Day pretty much sums up what we may well get at the Basin for this Test match. And on the line, we've got two absolute legends, uh, New Zealand folk. We're talking to uh, Corey Parker. What an honour this is for me to talk to Corey Parker. 347 games for the Broncos alone. Kicked 586 goals, just by the by. Converted 39 of his own tries. State of origin, 19 games for Queensland and 19 games for the Kangaroos. Match that with this. World record holder as a wicketkeeper batsman, Ian Healy, one of the greats the game has ever seen, ever. 119 tests, 366 catches, 29 stumpings, 400s in the process, 15 years playing for Queensland. Folks, two of Queensland's most favourite sons joining us now live from their show in Brisbane. What an honour it is. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Smitty. Morning, mate. How are you going? That's a fair intro. One of the best <laughs> I've had. You, you, you forgot to mention, my mum is a full-blood Kiwi, so you and I are a little bit closer than we think. 
Well, that has just made them. Uh, that has completed the intro and made you an even better bloke uh, on breeding alone, Corey Parker. So, hey, listen. First thing we should uh, we should talk about with you, of course, before we get to, to heels and a bit of cricket. Of course, is uh, did you manage or have you managed to wangle a trip to Las Vegas uh, mm. for this weekend? Yeah, it's still a little bit raw, mate. To be <laughs> fair, and the the short answer is no. Every man and his dog has managed a trip to Vegas except for heels and I. We're sitting in the studio. <laughs> But uh, it's going to be a fantastic event over there in Vegas. I mean, iconic. Uh, yeah, the fact that they've been able to put it down for five years. But um, oh no, I haven't. And a little bit raw about that, to be honest. <laughs> Well, you'd be watching your Broncos, uh, Corey, I'm sure anyway, and they have uh, in pre-seasons games, which you can, uh, honestly, you don't really put a lot of weight into, but it shows they have got depth at the Broncos because they've been missing a lot of their players in some of these games. But the Roosters match up uh, Sunday our time. What are you expecting there first up? Yeah, a clash of the titans. I mean, when you look at these two teams on paper, let alone just the, the iconicness of them being, you know, two powerhouse clubs in the NRL, on paper, I think both teams have the genuine ability to win the comp this year. I think it's a wide open competition this year. I think Penrith have come back to the field a fraction. I think there's some other sides that have sort of gone up into that realm. And I, and I honestly think, um, yeah, the field size, we've spoken that about that a little bit, uh, will sort of play into both these teams' uh, style of play. Broncos like to play through that middle third of the field, as do the, the Roosters. So I'm expecting, like, you, you couldn't help but have, when you run out there at Allegiant Stadium at Vegas for the first time, to have that adrenaline going through you, I'm expecting a really, really fiery affair between these two teams. Mm. Well, it's uh, 20,000 uh, 20, fans, we're told. Uh, we have heard uh, going from Australia alone. So there's going to be a hell of a crowd and a hell of an atmosphere. He also, you clearly won't be going there either. If Corey can't make the trip, you won't be able to. <laughs> no, I, no. I thought there might – I thought – I thought there might be a spotting of you um, at the Basin or Christchurch on one of those highly paid uh, tour party gigs. <laughs> no, no, I won't be there either, Smithy. But, but the Basin, in my memory, is such a low, slow pitch. But these days, it's not the case. Hey, this is going to be quite lively and, and move around a lot in those four seasons at Wellington. There will be hills, but they're going to be northerlies, and uh, you'll remember keeping at the Basin on some fairly windy days. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And the, the Basin's the only place that I've had to stand first slip in front of me as a wicketkeeper. But, uh, you know, you're telling me it carries through pretty well these days. It has. So I think in, in, in terms of domestic cricket, uh, the Basin Reserve and Hagley Oval, the two venues for this tier series, uh, probably the bounciest pitches in the country at the moment. Or well, there's a reasonably good pace at Eden Park on that drop-in pitch the other night. Um, Heels, uh, you were there. I mean, we were all there. Uh, Corey might have been in the corporate box, actually, but we were all there at the Gabba when Shamar Joseph did what he did and Australia were upset in one of the biggest upsets in Test cricket probably for two to three decades. What have Australia going to bring to us on the back of that? Oh, they've got to bring a freshness. Mm. They were tired. They looked lazy or or just a bit flat. Um, they missed some good Yorkers from Shamar rather than just keep them out. They, they just weren't sharp enough um, and and the West Indies pounced and, and nailed them because of it. So that, that's what they need. And I think they had a, a real sharpness about their T20 cricket. They made beautiful adjustments with their bowling um, and that they looked very together. So I think it's there and, and you'll probably uh, see it right from the word go. What about you, Smithy? Uh, who's missing? Are you missing anyone for this series or Daryl Mitchell's back? A anyone else back? Yeah. No, I think we're pretty much as, as good as we can get here. Our, our conundrum here is to uh, whether the makeup of our side, we haven't really got a, a, a spinner in the 50% class of Nathan Lyon, probably 30%, truth be known. Mm -hmm. What do we prepare what do we prepare over here? Um, when we've done traditionally well against Australian sides over the years, uh, particularly, I go back to Hobart actually, low green seamers that go sideways for the majority of the test match. That is what I would prepare, um, but I'm not quite sure that we can. Yeah. Um, but what would you prepare if you were looking? I mean, is, is there an underbelly uh, about this Australian batting lineup with Steve Smith at the top of the order and Cameron Green unestablished? You'd have to say it four. 
an underbelly, but you probably wouldn't, not so much an underbelly, but uh, Smith will come into his own having been, yeah, it did, probably disappointed himself in the T20 games. He would have liked to have done more. Um, he might have played himself out of the world T20. Uh, so he'll be smarting. Manus comes in to keep them together and then the power around that is is okay. Um, but, of course, Manus has got work to do. He, he's been squaring up and nicking things. Um, I would. What would I prepare... Mm, yeah, it might have a you're, – you're banking on the toss, but, you, yeah, you probably need something with a bit of life when you're bowling to the Australian top order. You might, you, might, uh, you know, wriggle through them one day. Heels, uh, if, uh, I haven't finished with you, Corey Parker. Don't you go anywhere just by the by. Uh, heels, just for a second, <laughs> just, uh, longevity in this Australian side. How long are we looking, in all honesty? Uh, if you look at the bowling attack and you, you look at um, well, Steve Smith, uh, for one anyway, and uh, Usman for another. Uh, Usman, one year. Uh, Smith a little longer than that um, to probably bring our middle order talent through. Um, the Stark, you, you can't lump, you know, it's a bit like Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad got lumped together all the time and as it's turned out, the young bloke has retired and the old bloke's still going. Mm. But uh, Starkey, I think, is 34, so I'm saying two for him, uh, maybe more for Josh Hazelwood and more, for, more than that for, for Pat Cummins, who's only 30. So, and then we bring in a quick one at a time, maybe. So I'd say Starkey, another two. Smithy, I think he's asking that question, Heels, is because I want to know, like 1993 was the last time the the Kiwis, uh, for such a good outfit in in international cricket, why can't you beat Australia? <laughs> well, okay, Corey, you've asked for it. Right, um, here's, the, here, here's the thing. We don't play you often enough, um, and uh, well, it's been eight years since you've Deigned it, deigned it necessary uh, to, to cross the Tasman to see us. The last time you came here, you brought Adam Voges. We, we hardly knew who Adam Voges was. 200 runs later, we knew who he was. <laughs> uh, look, so we don't, we don't play you often enough, I, I think, to gain confidence and uh, I think belief from time to time because what we do do is we sit here and your television, your cricket is beamed in here, uh, here when we hear commentaries on the radio. Uh, and all we hear about is the great exploits of this Australian side. And, and when you haven't had a chance to prove yourself against them for quite some time, I don't know how you can possibly have that belief and that confidence. And I, I think that is one of the reasons why uh, we are coming back to Australia. We were miserable when we came to Australia um, about three years, four years ago. We just couldn't take a trump and we weren't uh, anywhere near uh, a World Test Championship side at that point. Uh, and we just, again, played without belief and credibility in that series. We come again in 2025, I think it is, December 2025, and we've been granted, I think, four test matches there to try and prove our worth there. Uh, what our side looks like, your heels just outlined yours, what else look like, what look like our bowling attack, etc. in 2025, I do not know. I, I just hope that uh, Kane Williamson is drinking from the fountain of youth mm -hmm. and he'll be around at that stage because w without him we look uh, a little bit thin. Couple of other uh, matters we'd love to chat to you Queenslanders about. Uh, Heels, I know you've got a little bit of uh, rugby background and Les Kiss and the Reds uh, look like they might be a chance this year because Super Rugby kicked off last weekend. Yeah, I think so, Smithy. I think Thorny has set up a real strong physical platform and defensive platform and Les Kiss comes in and is, you know, endeavouring to free them up a touch. They've got some ball players in those forwards and, and they might play with a little more uh, freedom and flair. So, you know, let's see. But they were, they were all very happy with the performance they put on for a, an emerging crowd at Suncorp Stadium the other night against the Waratahs. And that is important, uh, as you know, Corey, because you guys have had great crowds, the Broncos, for years and years. It's just been automatic. Uh, and rugby is, is really struggling for, uh, from that point of view. Uh, and, of course, Les Kiss, uh, very much with a background that you'd know about. Yeah, no, you're spot on. And to double down on what Heels just touched on, I think uh, from a spectacle point of view, I think if you're able to play with a freedom and, and, a, and a style that really suits particularly some of your assets in your side, which uh, the Reds have some really, uh, you know, 
fast, free-flowing players. Uh, instead of getting bogged down into some of the, I guess, the technicalities of rugby, if you play to your strengths, I think it can be a real asset. And uh, Les Kiss, yeah, as as he was touched on there before, um, I think so far. Um, looking pretty good, but mm. um, they only played the Waratahs, and obviously, Smithy, <laughs> 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 we have Smithy. We're calling it. We're calling it Les Ball over here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Les Ball. Okay. <laughs> what just, about? Just give us. Give I our. Just be careful with that. Give one. our listeners a, uh, uh, you know, an insight <laughs> into how good Ratchan Ravindra has started his cricket career. Is he maybe as good as Crowey? Nah, not yet, Heels. Uh, not yet. Um, I'm saying Williamson is, and that it was going to yes. take me a long, long time to admit to that. But Williamson is, and your numbers just, I mean, numbers are, and the way he goes about things. Uh, and Martin Crow, would, if he was alive, would be the first to be acknowledging. He'd be trumpeting Kane Williamson. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, look, uh, Rachin Ravindra, uh, excellent start um, in terms of uh, a double century at home. And, okay, it was a South African very poor team um, for various reasons. But it's Rachin Ravindra. You, you know, heels when you turn up to a game of cricket and you just you look out the corner of your eye and, and then you double take on a, a shot or a, a mannerism or a presence at the crease. Yes. Um, that's his. That's Ratchan Ravindra. You know, when you just think, man, have I just seen something really, really special to look forward to in the future? That is Ratchan Ravindra. Yep. This is a big series for him. You, I mean, he got massive credibility in the World Cup, didn't he? But if you get credibility against Australia, uh, even at home, uh, you play well against Australia, and if he gets 100 against Australia and there's, there's four chances he's going to have a go, or, or averages well and does consistently well, uh, then I'm prepared to say, yes, you're looking at something very, very special. So, um, you know, I, I like the kid. I like the way he goes about things. He's typical Kiwi. He gives credit to the team as opposed to himself. Um, look, I, 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 I like him. Put it that way. Yep. Uh, I was in admiration of, him, of the World Cup. Uh, hey, listen, uh, we cannot let you go, Corey Parker, because mm. you talked about previewing a, a small preview of the NRL. You never mentioned the WAS, mate. You never mentioned the WAS. The feel-good story of the NRL up the WAS. Honestly, I mean, from where they were a couple of seasons ago, you throw in Andrew Webster and what he's been able to do and, and encompass the, the, the community uh, and, and the culture of, um, you know, the Warriors and what it all means for them. They've had some you know, great buys over the summer. I thought Capewell, uh, he, he's a winner. He's going to really help them, an experienced player. Uh Harris Tavita has come back after his year out writing journals uh, and RTS, who oh, oh, it looks supremely fit. So I have loved absolutely everything I saw about the Wars last year. I, I, and, and as to have the locals, two sold-out stadiums in trial matches, I think that speaks volumes for the team. Um, I, I saw their both their trial matches, their first one against the Tigers. They were down to 12 men for an hour uh, with young kids in their side. They only got beaten by two, and then they, uh, they followed up with a full-strength side and looked very, very good. So um, I... I Firmly believe that the the, the uh, Warriors can certainly do um, what they do uh, did last year. I think their squad is better, um, and I love the emotion that, um, that that they're playing with at the moment. But um, huge kudos to the coach um, Andrew Webster. Yep, we're, we're thrilled. Um, you know, with the way things are shaping up, uh, they were okay against the Dolphins last week. But Webby, being Webby, has said, "Look, we can't play that bad." Um, and expect to have high expectations in the NRL. So mm. we're talking like, um, you know, a different side, Corey, which makes a difference too. Well, the, the habits are different too. Um, normally, mm. uh, you know, the well, uh, the Warriors have been, you know, looked to go for maybe a shortcut option. They're happy to get into the grind, kick long, back their defence. I think they were the third best defensive side in the competition last year, which is enormous turnaround from where they were. So their mindset's completely different. They play a different brand of football. They've got strike right across the park in all the right positions. So big year ahead for them. Yep, big year ahead. Uh, big show for you guys. Uh, you're just kicking off. We're just about to finish in about 40 minutes' time. But it's been an honour to chat to you two blokes, um, you know, absolute legends in uh, Queensland and Australian sport. And uh, it's been great that uh, our New Zealand listeners have had the privilege of doing just that. Thank you, uh, gentlemen. Uh, have a terrific rest of the show, and we'll catch up again shortly. Same for us, Smithy. Thanks a lot. Thanks, bud.